0: Am I on? <laughs> yeah. Morning, everybody. It's uh, it's lovely to be here. Um, hello, John Z. Uh Before I start, yeah, uh, yeah, I want to I want to just really honour my wife for, for this week. She's been just incredible. Um, and I want to say say, oh, yeah, man, for what those tears and all this, I love you. Because um, you live Oh yeah, <laughs> it, it, it's, yeah. It's <laughs> I'm telling you, so, that, it's just so many things. That, is that cheating? <laughs> <It's a> cheat <laughs> too, <laughs> too, <laughs> is that a cheat? <laughs> it's uh, so many things happened this week I'm telling you guys that uh, <clears throat> it's just a miracle that we can actually be and, and and sing about the goodness of God and stuff and I, and I want to do something a little bit different today and I don't think Centre Church has ever done this and I don't want to make it cheesy and I don't want che- like, yeah, to make it cheesy or anything at all You know, I remember when I was a little kid and I went to the churches that my mom took us to You know, we used to sit in the Germany used to say well, draai nou jou linkerkant en nou jou rechterkant en dan sê jy vir allemaal, is geseend broer jy geseen. okay? is And and that used to be so awkward to me okay and there always used to be this old granny next to me that used to go "Yeah, it's is. <laughs> you know I'm like ah and there's a mole with the hair growing out <laughs> I just thought it was always so uncomfortable but what I'd like our guys to do is, is just I want everybody just to quickly stand up and just look around and see if you if you see somebody that you haven't met and there's a reason for that and just quickly go and introduce yourself like just Quickly go and introduce yourself and say, I mean, just look around you and say, how's it? My name is this. Don't make it weird. Okay, please.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: no, I have to do it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Meet the people that you always are scared to talk about. Yeah. Wow, that's incredible! Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. You're robbing me of my preaching time. <laughs> you know, uh, I always get hammered if I if I go over f- five more minutes. And okay, so guys, so so the reason I want to do this is we we had a, a, a quite a, a challenging week, and um, and we lost somebody from this community, right? We are a church. We're a community. We. We need to know of one another and about one another. I'm not saying everybody is going to become like best friends with one another. But let me tell you why the Jews are so, this things that they do that are so incredible. They stick together. Do you know that in Jewish, um, uh, when Jews grow up, right, in their community, if one of the little boys running in the streets and they go, and, and a neighbor sees that child, he'll take that child, he'll discipline that child and take the child back to his parents and say, listen, we disciplined the kid. And, and the father will say, well, thank you very much. <laughs> what, what would we do? You know, we'll kill the parents. And so, so, so the reason I want us to do this is because the way the community stood together this week, John, staying awake the whole night, we're phoning 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock in the morning, and, you know, this, during this whole time, and the way people stuck together, when crisis comes, we need to be there for one another. Because let me tell you, crisis is going to come. It's going to come. That's just how life works. And the more we stick together, you know, the better. We've got an incredible church here. And we need to start acting like a community that's, that's there for one another. So, I hope you guys met some new good best friends today. Okay. Whoa! So, so <clears throat> we're talking about battles quickly. And John's sermon last week was really incredible and it kind of uh, 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 was a great intro to what I'm going to be sharing about today. Was, yeah, yeah. So, he was sharing about, he just felt on his heart there's so many people in our community and Christians that's got this one, that's got this sin, this thing that we struggle with. And God has got this red dot on it and he wants to eliminate it so that we can move forward and closer to God and do all of that stuff. And, and so, and my heart was kind of exactly the same. You know, you, <clears throat> I see a lot of Christians that are saved, they are loved, they are, you know, they are with Jesus, but they live in the wilderness, right? They've got this wilderness mentality. It's, it's almost as if they, they never managed to get into the promises of God, like really getting into the promised land. Because that's where God wants to take us to, He's to the promised land. And when I read the word of God... I kind of read, uh, I see two promised lands. The one promised land is, is a spiritual promised land. When we give our hearts to Jesus, we are acquitted, we are in right standing, we are justified, just as if we've never sinned, right? Uh, the wages of sin has been lifted, right? Death has got no more hold on us. Satan has got no more authority over us. We're in a new order. We are co-rulers, co-sovereign, co-administrators, and a judicial equal partner, to the throne by virtue of redemption and redlock to the king. Amen. Yeah. Amen. That flipping requires an amen. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Amen, sir. So I mean, we saved, right? And God has brought us out, but he also wants to bring us in and he wants to transform us into the image of his son instead of the image of the world, right? But there's another promised land. There is a physical promised land. God has got a land of milk and honey for all of us. He wants a better life for us. He wants us to thrive. He wants us to be out of debt. He wants us to have great marriages and, 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 and all of that stuff, right? And, um, you know, when we talk about prospering, God wants us to prosper. In, in One James says, I wish for, your, for you to prosper just as your soul prospers. God doesn't want you to be in debt. God doesn't want you to be enslaved, you know, and, and have the struggle of a life, you know, um, because that's kind of how you see a lot of people live. It's just this continuous struggle. But the prosperity that James talks about there is... I don't believe God wants everybody to be billionaires. I don't believe that. And prosperity also does not mean that we all have big mansions and Ferraris and stuff like that. That's not what it means. The word prosper (coughs) in this context means it comes from the the Greek word Yehuda. I hope I pronounced it correctly. Yehuda. Yehudas. And it's a compound word made out of two words. "yo," which means good. And "huda" or Huda, means trip. Having a good trip here on earth. Not a good magic mushroom trip or LSD trip, it's not charming, not that, you know, God wishes a good trip for all of us, yes, you can have the mansions and the cars and the, you know, the material things, there's nothing wrong with that, there's nothing wrong with that, there's nothing wrong, we've been given the opportunity and the brains and we've been given, uh, uh, there are so many things that we can do every day to thrive financially as well, right, so this is a sermon on principles, Not really on the promises of God. The Bible consists out of promises and principles. There's over 3,000 promises that God has in the Bible. But then there's also principles, right? The promises are on God, right? He made the promise. He will come through with the promises. The principles are on us. Remember that. God's love is unconditional. But His blessings are conditional. The entire Bible says, if you do this, then this is what's going to happen. If you don't do this, then this is not what's going to happen, right? So, a lot of Christians think, like, I'm saved. Like, we heard that sermon the other day. We, you know, we saved. Great. We're now with Jesus. And now we just. It doesn't work that way, right? So, Israel was slaves for more than 400 years. And so, Uh, God comes and he raises up Moses. And he says, Moses, you need to go and rescue my, my folk. And this is where our story starts. So, originally, I wanted to preach about how Joshua was taking in the promised land. But then I thought to myself, no, no, no. Let's do a sermon on. The biggest battle that was supposed to happen but never did, right? It only happened 40 years after it was supposed to happen, and that's where our story starts, Numbers 13. Okay, and Numbers 13—it's really an amazing, you know—it's—it's—it's it's, it's, it's just so rich of what God of principles of God wanting to teach us. Why do certain people enter the Promised Land? And I'm talking about the physical Promised Land here on Earth. And why do certain people not? Because 12 people were sent in 12 spies. <clears throat> That's what happened. Moses got a, a spy from each tribe, right? Joshua and Caleb were part of that. And he sent them into the promised land for 40 days to say, go and check out the promised land. Go and see, you know, whether it's a land of milk and honey and what kind of fruit is there and what kind of people there are. So these guys come back. And then they come back to Moses to give a report. And this is where it starts. So, Numbers 13, verse 27. This was their report to Moses. We entered the land you sent us to explore And it is indeed a a bountiful country, a land flowing with milk and honey. Here is the kind of fruit it produces. So they brought back all these grapes, right? These massive grapes um, to show them that this was a land of of milk and honey. But the people living there are powerful, and the towns are large and fortified. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. So I looked up the word Anak in the original Hebrew, and it literally means Shaquille O'Neal. Okay? So it's Michael Jordan, right? So... They were big people, and they were, they were too big to fight, right? But Caleb tried to quiet the people as they stood before Moses. Let's go at once to take the land, he said. We can certainly conquer it. But the other man who had explored the land with him disagreed. We can't go up against them. They are stronger than we are. So they spread this bad report about the land among the Israelites. How many of you know that bad news travels much faster than good news? <laughs> Something good happens, nobody knows about it. Something bad happens, everybody knows about it. If you go on YouTube, right and you, and you want to s- seek something that's really inspiring and great, whatever, it might have like 2,000 views. But if you look at all the bad stuff happening in the world, it's got millions of views, okay? So, and that's what's going on here. There was a bad report from 10 people, and it just kind of, the, the, the news just spread. The land we travel through and explored will devour anyone who goes to live there, okay? That is completely unrealistic, right? They were basically saying, if we enter this land, the land's just going to, open up and swallow all of us in. You know, it's literally going to eat us. And so that is what fear does to us, right? Fear makes the future and our problems very big in our minds. We over-exaggerate and we start tending to think in, in absolutes, always and never. If I do this, everybody is going to not like me. If I take this step, you know, and I do this, nobody's going to listen to me, you know? If I start this business, who's going to buy from me? Nobody's going to do this, you know? And, and so that's kind of what, <coughs> what fear does, Um. In our minds. Um, I have a, a, a corporate talk on Tuesday. In a corporate company, this company is worth over a billion rand. So I was invited to become the speaker, to be the speaker now on Tuesday. I've got 45 minutes and this exact thing happened with me. Immediately you start thinking, well, what are they going to listen to? Well, you know, they're not going to listen to me. What do I have to give? Nobody's going to nobody's going to And that's kind of what fear does, right? And so immediately I have to stop it and and look at Jesus. Because that's one of the principles in the story. It's completely stopped. Don't look at the circumstances, but look at Jesus. Okay. So all the people we saw were huge. We even saw giants there, the, the descendants of Anak. Now, the descendants of Anak or the Nephilim were actually wiped out with a flood. Okay. So they weren't the descendants of Anak. They weren't the real giants. But because of their fear, they just assumed the worst. And that's what we do when we get afraid, isn't it? We just assume this. We never assume that things might go ro- right. We always say, "But what if things might go? What if things go wrong?" We always assume the worst. We don't, we don't, we don't think to ourselves, "But what if I become a success?" It's always, "But what if I become a failure?" It's always that. Okay. Next to them, we felt like grasshoppers. Now, notice they—they they didn't say that we are grasshoppers. They said that we felt like grasshoppers, and that's what they thought too. This is a very, very important principle. Um, And there's two points that I want to talk about here. So if you see yourself as a grasshopper, meaning just insignificant, right? The world will see you as insignificant. The world will see you as a grasshopper. If you see yourself as a grasshopper, your fears will see you as a grasshopper. Your worries will see you as a grasshopper. Your anxiety will see you as as a grasshopper. The way you see yourself, that's how the world... We'll see you, right? That's the first point there. The second point there is, is that if you get worried about what other people think of you the whole time, you will never enter the promised land. You might as well just quit. We are so um, prone today to just say things that everybody will agree with. We don't want to offend anybody, right? And um, uh, Winston Churchill has got this beautiful quote. He says, you know, if you've got enemies, that's a good thing. It means you stood for something, Right? Because they were so worried about these people, who were thinking ab- about them. But the fact that they thought that they were grasshoppers—it's called the grasshopper syndrome, this wilderness mentality that so many um, Christians have—and that's why they don't enter the promised land, right? So <clears throat> here's something quite important I want to mention. Um, we might think that this entire story is all about faith, right? If I have to, to, to say that, I don't think anybody will disagree with the statement that God can do anything, right? Am I right? If I said you God can move mountains, correct? Yeah. If I said you God can give you your dream house, absolutely good. God can give you your dream spouse, absolutely. God can change world hunger and stop world hunger like this. I mean, God can do anything, right? Okay. So we all believe God can, can do everything, but that's not what I want to ask you. I want to ask you, do you believe that? It's a completely different story. So many Christians, we believe God, we believe God, but I I believe I'm so insignificant. Deep down inside, I've got this limiting belief about who I am. I don't see myself the way God sees me. I don't see myself as sovereign, seated on heavenly places. Love, the son of the almighty and the daughter of the almighty. You know, ruler over my enemies, you know, we don't see ourselves like that, we see ourselves as as grasshoppers, I remember um, a couple of years ago, I went through a very difficult time in my life, and I was in KwaZulu-Natal, and I was, there was this huge cross, I was on this mountain, there was this huge cross mounted, and I sat there, and I said, God, God, please, just do something, and God said to me, Heike, I've already done everything, what else must I do? You do something, I'm like, what? (laughs) You know, I've saved my son, I've done this, I've done that, (laughs) what more must I do, you know, I believe in you. Do you believe in yourself? That's what God said to me. Do you believe in yourself? You believe I can do everything. But do you believe in yourself? And here's uh, 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 the, the, the key principle here. How you see yourself will determine how you see your future. How you see yourself will determine how you see your future. When I was in grade two, my grade two teacher, she um, told my mom in front of me. of uh, the you know, the hour. She told my mom that um, your son is going to end up in jail one day. I remember it. I heard it. I went to bed that night. I cried. I, I had this old Afrikaans Bible, and I was just holding on to this Bible. I don't know why, but I was so scared. Well, we're going to end up in jail. You know, you're a little boy. Oh, why did the teacher say that? And unfortunately, I believed her. I took that life from the enemy, and I believed her. And what happened with me? I Ended up in jail. I did. My whole life was a disaster. Because of what I was thinking, not good enough, there's something wrong with me, I'm out of place, I'm a, you know, that kind of mindset. Whatever you believe about yourself will determine where your future lies, right? So, we often, you know, we walk around depressed and we walk around sad and we walk around, and I want to ask you, what are you feeding on that's making you feel like a grasshopper? What kind of people are you hanging around with? Social media, what are the stuff that you're watching? Like, like, what are the stuff? Because whatever you feed on, you will eventually believe. And if you're feeling like that, if you're feeding on something, you've got to change what it is that you're feeding on. Okay? You're a child of God, the Most High, and you can do amazing things. You can do incredible things. David said in the Psalms, he says, he says oh, my soul is downcast. Right? And it's almost as if David was talking to his thoughts, talking to his soul. And this was, this was revolutionary for me when I realized that I'm not my thoughts. You know that you are not your thoughts, right? And that we don't have to believe everything that we think. I used to think everything that I believed was the truth. It's not. Everything that I'm thinking was the truth. It's, it, it's, it's not. And, and our minds are terrible things. I've not met one mind that is not a critic. Right? <laughs> you know? all, all, it's, it's, it's so critical. And, and we're always critis- criticizing ourselves. If I was just taller, if I was just thinner, if I just had more money. If I just grew up on the other side of the tracks, the right side of the tracks. You know. If I just had great appearance, if I had... Greater education. We're always criticizing our, um, you know, ourselves on what, we, on what we're falling short. And you know your mind is so incredible? Right? If you ask your mind any question, it will answer you. If you ask your mind 15 reasons why I'm such a loser, I promise you it's going to give you 15 reasons why you're such a loser. If you ask your mind, give me 15 reasons why I'm such a winner, your mind will give you 15 reasons why you are such a winner. It might be more difficult because we're always prone to the negative. Right, And um, just because you think you're a grasshopper doesn't mean that your mind is right, right. So it's so important for us to take control of our minds. Because your thinking will determine whether you enter the promised land or not. Um, see yourself as God sees you. And that will release the potential that God has in your life. And therefore you will have a bigger future. If you want a bigger future, you need a bigger you you want a bigger future you need a bigger you then the whole community began weeping aloud and cried all night oh my word oh and the whole community started complaining and everything how how many of you know that God does not like people complaining how many of you know that God hates complaining he hates it I'm not talking about venting you know Job after he Job vented you know he vented but he never really complained consistently. I know people that when I go to, I like just pray myself, I pray a covering over us, you know, and like when we enter that house for the next two hours, I know God just please protect me because when I walk out of here, my mindset is gonna be <whistles> because of how, how much people can complain. I know people that complain, that's all they talk about. It's just complain, complain about the country, complain about this, complain about that. God does not like um, complaining, and that's why it's so important. In order for you to enter the promised land, you have to walk away. From negative people, you have to get away from negative. People. I'm not saying that you shouldn't build relationships and help and love people and serve people, and stuff, but if it affects you, right, you have to walk away from that stuff. You have to, okay. Their voices rose in a great chorus of protest against Moses and Aaron. Now, all of a sudden, they blame the leaders, right? It's Moses and Aaron, and don't we do that often? We blame the leaders, we blame the leaders of the country, we blame CEOs, we blame the pastors, we blame our parents, we blame everything, everybody else, you know, and we don't take responsibility because we actually were the ones that had a lack of faith. It's us, right? So the Israelis, they blame everybody and they don't recognize that it was, it's their lack of faith. And, um, you know, people always ask me, Aki, where do you think the world is heading towards? And do you know that, that leaders never ask that question? Followers ask that question. Leaders don't ask where the world is heading. They will lead the world where the world is supposed to go. Leaders. Followers will always ask that question. Where is the world, you know, heading towards? And so next verse. If only we had died in Egypt or even in the wilderness, they complained. Why is the Lord taking us to this country only to have us die in battle? Our wives and our little ones will be carried off as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to return to Egypt? Then they plotted among themselves, let's choose a new leader and go back to Egypt. Right? Right? And, you know, that's so cr- it's, it's so crazy. I, I, I you know, uh, talk to a lot of organizations, and I work with a lot of people and stuff, and it's incredible to see how many organizations, how often they change leadership, right? They're just change leaders and leaders, because I think the next leader is really actually going to take them to where they need to go, okay? And then the leader comes, and he's got good ideas, and he gets shoot, shot down, okay? And eventually there comes a new leader, and a new leader. And it's because it's not really the leader. The organization doesn't realize how sick the organization is, okay? And, um and so these guys thought, well, let's go back to Egypt. They started romancing that Egypt was actually better than the promises of God. And here's the second principle. Quit romancing the past. You know, it wasn't that great. It wasn't that great. People say, oh, the good old days. Oh, man, oh, the good old days. Right? The good old days weren't. I mean, if you, start, if you go back, I went back to my school the other day. Well, a couple of months ago, and I walked around, and I thought, oh, my word, this is horrible, you know? Geez, everything felt so small, and so this, and so that, and, and, you know, you often revisit the past, and you think things are so great, and it wasn't so great, but isn't it strange how we always kind of default back to what it is that we know? If you think about relationships and abusive relationships, how people kind of want to get out of the abusive relationship, but they always just return to it, because it's kind of what they know, right? So, Dyrardine and I, we've got a big network marketing company business, okay, and, um, it's an incredible business model where you can help people earn extra money, you know. People join the business for various reasons, because they want free time, they want to earn extra money, they want to supplement their income, they want to, there's a whole bunch of reasons. And during COVID, our business just exploded, right, because out of fear, people wanted to start a second stream of income, okay. And guys were doing super well in those two years. Let me tell you, it's all online. The guys were starting to make extra money. They were doing so incredibly well. You know, they had their dream board, they had their vision board. 73% of people in South Africa that are employees, they actually hate their jobs, right? So they're looking for an out. People are looking for different solutions and whatever and stuff. So this might, this is one of them that could be. And so they joined. And let me tell you, after COVID, when the two years were over, about 90% of those people just defaulted back to what they knew. And I still speak to them today and they complain and their life is like this and life is like that because they just thought that, you know, Egypt was more comfortable. There is a saying, right? That it's a like ghrit an Afrikaans They say chorts stink it's warm. <laughs> I'm not <laughs> you know <laughs> and is isn't that what we what we kind of do, right? So God has got something incredible for us. Then Joshua and Caleb said, The land we traveled through and explored is a wonderful land. And if the Lord is pleased with us, he will bring us safely into the land and give it to us. It is rich. It's a rich land flowing with milk and honey. Do not rebel against the Lord and don't be afraid of the people of the land. They are only helpless prey to us. They have no protection, but the Lord is with us. Don't be afraid of them. But the whole community began to talk about stoning Joshua and Caleb. Now all of a sudden they want to stone Joshua and Caleb. And here's the thing, guys, when you step out in faith, when you become a Christian, right, the world will attack you. You will have opposition. If you, one of the few that get up and say, I want to do something different, want to do something great, want to do something amazing for Jesus, let me tell you, don't be discouraged that not everyone is going to encourage you. They're not going to encourage you. You're going to get so much flack out there from people. And the reason you get so much flack is because if you're a person of faith, It highlights the fact that they don't have faith. So they just project their fears and all their rubbish kind of onto you, right? And it happens like that, that us as Christians, we can lose sight of what God has for us, and we can believe these guys, right? And fall back into that kind of mindset. Don't take the opinion of people who are not going anywhere, because they're going to try and convince you not to go anywhere either. Be careful not to listen to them. Then the Lord said to Moses, how long will these people treat me with contempt? Will they never believe me? Even after all the miraculous signs I've done among them, I will disown them and destroy them with a plague. Okay? So if you think about Corona, just maybe, you know, God sent a plague, right? Just maybe God wanted the whole world to come to a standstill to make us realize that there's actually something better for us out there. And that we can only Only rely on him. And, you know, um, God says, (laughs) he says, um, will they never in me even after all the miraculous signs I've done among them? You must remember now, these guys, they were brought out of Egypt, right? They experienced 10 plagues. They experienced 10 plagues. They were taken out. They experienced the miracle of the entire army of Egypt that was wiped out in the Red Sea. They w- went out they, they experienced the 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 cloud, they experienced the the column the the drag column, the fire column. I mean, they saw all of that stuff, and all of a sudden, when they got to Canaan, they just forgot about everything that God has done for us, and we do that, I do that sometimes. God has done the most incredible miracles in my life. Oh my word, He has done like supernatural I've seen supernatural stuff, and then the next thing happens in my life, and all of a sudden, like I go, oh, you know." Where's God? Is God going to come through for me again? Is he going to come through for me again? Um, So, number three. What keeps us out of our promised land are two things. Disobedience and unbelief. So, disobedience, because disobedience keeps us in Egypt, right? If we are sinning, or if we are, you know, doing things, it's going to keep us from entering into the promised land, right? And then, obviously, unbelief. Here's something that I kind of notice a lot when it comes to to people that come to faith. Young Christians, whether you're old or not in in age, but young Christians, when they come to faith and they're reborn, I'm telling you, they take God so seriously, right? They love big movements and they love big revivals and great shows and worship and all of that stuff, massive things, but they don't take sin that seriously, right? And older people, what they tend to do, not everybody, but older people that's been walking a road with Jesus for a very long time, right? Right? They tend to take sin very seriously, but they don't take what God can still do in their lives very seriously. You know, you need both. You need to obey God's voice, but you also still, you have to deal with sin, be serious about sin, but also be serious about what God can still do in your life. Like God is not finished with you. If you've got breath in your lungs, God still has got so much more that he wants to do with you. So much more. He wants to bring you in. He wants to show incredible things with, uh, to you. I've met people that are like in the 80s. You know, and these guys are just, they just, God is still doing amazing things in, in and through their lives. Right? God's not finished with you. I know it's happened with me. I, there was a time in my Christian walk that I thought, oh, you know, is this now it? Right? And you become complacent and all of that stuff. It's not like that. God's got incredible things still for, for all of us. So, I will pardon Israel as you have requested, says the Lord, right? But not one of these people will enter into that land. They have all seen my glorious presence and the miraculous signs I performed both in Egypt and in the wilderness. But again and again, they have tested me by refusing to listen to my voice. Voice. So, there's two words here. There's pardon and voice. And that's what Jesus does, right? Jesus pardons us from our sin, Okay. That's what He does. He pardons us from our sin. But you can either get to the promised land or simply just be pardoned. Are you okay with just being in the wilderness and eating manna and quartals for the rest of your life? Or do you want to move to, you know, into the full potential of what God has for you? Um, you know, when, 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 when I got saved and I realized there's a God while I was in Egypt. And I realized that Jesus loved me and I realized that He wanted to do something incredible with me and that there's a better life for me. And, um, and I, I, I didn't like his voice, right? Because he was convicting me of all the wrong things. I didn't enjoy it. He was convicting me of being with the wrong people, the wrong places, the, uh, uh, you know, listening to the wrong things, doing, you know, being involved with, with the wrong stuff. And I didn't enjoy it. And then I, I went to God and God said to me, listen, heike, you know, my voice might seem negative at the moment, okay? But I took you out of Egypt, Right? You're putting down the old self. I took you out of Egypt, but now I've got to get Egypt out of you. I have to get Egypt out of you. It's like a Marine or somebody that goes and trains for something, you know. They break these people. I don't believe God breaks us in such a way, but it's the principle, you know. God needs to shake us and move us, and it's tough, you know, to get the mindset of slavery out of us. Because we need. that's what God wants. He doesn't want us to think, continue thinking like slaves. Um... He wants, I wrote here, he wants to knock out the boyhood, to bring up the manhood. I think that's pretty cool. Okay? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But my servant Caleb has a different attitude than the others have. He has remained loyal to me as I will bring him into the promised land. Now turn around and head back into the wilderness. That's probably the most depressing verse in our entire Bible. You know? They're standing at the promised land. God says, well, Caleb was great. He's going to see the promised land, but you guys have got to turn back. You're not entering into the promised land. Okay? And uh, that's point number four. You will miss God's promised land for you if you ignore his voice speaking to you. Do you hear God's voice? Like, really, do you hear God's voice? Like, a lot of people say no, a lot of people say yes. Like, do you know, let me put it this way, do you know how God speaks to you? Do you know how he, because God speaks to everybody in a different way, right? You cannot hear God's voice if you don't spend time with him in the word and spend time with him in prayer and this is the last thing i want to i want to end off with this and this is really going to sting okay this is truth but the truth will set you free right this is so powerful okay as surely as i live declares the lord i will do to you the very things i heard you say you will all drop dead in the wilderness because you complained against me. You will not enter and occupy the promised land. So, what is God saying there? God says, I'm going to do to you what you believe. If you believe you're a grasshopper, well, you're going to get what grasshoppers get. If you believe you're going to die, you're going to die. Okay? If you believe um, Caleb, I mean, he, said, he him and Joshua, they went he, he said to Caleb and them, you guys believe that you're going to go into the promised land, right? You're going to go into the promised land. And that is so powerful. If you tell me what you believe, I'll tell you your future. If you believe God has got good plans for you, you'll receive good plans. If you believe God has got nothing for you, you're going to receive nothing. Don't expect for more from God if you don't believe for more. Don't. Don't. You are your own self-fulfilling prophet in your own life. Do you know that? Whatever you believe, that's what you're going to get. I think it was Henry Ford that said, whether you, th- whether you think you, ca- you can or think you can't, you're right. That's so powerful. And that is on us, people. Right? That is on us. God will give you what you are believing in for. If you believe for little, He's going to give you little. If you believe for a lot, He's going to give you a lot. It's time for you to believe more in your life. I want, to, I want our guys to, to start believing for more. For more, even the impact that we can make. We've got greatness inside of us. We've got the spirit that raised Jesus from the dead inside of us. You can step out in faith and do something incredible. Just the other day, there was this one guy, he phoned me, he's stepping out of, uh, in faith. You know, he, he had a friend that was losing sight. He, um, for 19 months now, this guy was completely blind. Um, and he wants to, he's stepping out in faith. He wants to raise money, about 500,000 rand to pay for this guy's um, eye operation. And he asked me, can I be the speaker at an event? And I said, sure. That was last, last week, Sunday. Last week, Sunday, drive all the way through to I'm like, oh, geez, okay. I do not really want to go and stuff. But I'm going to go and chat, speak at this event, because I want to raise funds for this guy. I rock up there. The guy that organized the events got up in front and started sharing the testimony. They started doing this. It's a really long story, but how God jumped in. This guy already had his operation by the time we got there. He's got full sight. People just jumped in. People came from all sides. People blessed with 100,000 there, 70,000. This is a small little community. The guy that organized this was just, nobody just stepped out in faith. And how this thing over the last three months just kind of escalated. And what God did, just because one person decided that, listen, I'm stepping out in faith. I'm looking towards Jesus. I'm not looking towards the circumstances. Or, or against the circumstances. So, you know, do you believe that Jesus died for your sin? And that you pardoned? And that you saved? And that, uh, that you've got a new life? Right? That's the one side of the story. The second side of the story is, is that I pray that we start seeing ourselves the way that Jesus sees us. And not the way the world sees us. And not the way your thoughts sees us. Because that will determine whether you enter the, prom- the promised land or not. Amen. Let's pray. Yeah. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you, Father, for your word, Father. Thank you that you are so good. Father God, thank you that, uh, that your word promises so many beautiful things, Lord Jesus. And I pray that this community, Father, that we will start seeing ourselves the way that you see us, Lord. Father, that the women were created beautiful, men were created strong, Father. That you've made us, Father, co-heirs to the throne, Lord Jesus. That our enemy doesn't have any hold on us, Lord. Amen. I pray, Father, for, um, for a mindset, Father, of abundance and love, Father. I pray for so much courage, Lord. I know for a fact that even Joshua and Caleb, Father, they must have been scared, so scared. But they didn't let their fear, Father, determine where they were going to go. They looked at you, Jesus. They kept on looking at you, Father. I pray, Father, that when we go home, Lord Jesus, that we don't look at our bank accounts and go, oh man, I don't have enough. Where's the provision gonna come from, Father? But that we shift our vision, Lord Jesus, and look towards you, Father, that you will make a way, just like Stephan has prayed, Father, you make a way in the wilderness. Do we not see? Father, thank you, Father, for challenging us to open our eyes so that we can see that you are making a way for us to enter into the land and the promises and the fulfillment that you have for us.
1: Amen. Amen, thanks Hicks. Guys, you know, while Hicks was, was preaching, I just, I was thinking, I feel like what often happens in church circles is, um, there are sometimes excesses in different areas in the way that certain things are preached. So there was a time in the 70s where the, um, it was all about discipling people, right? There was this rest- restoration of the discipleship movement. And then everyone's like, so we need to shut down Sunday. We just need to meet in small home groups because that's, that's how we're going to do this. And that was the overcorrect to the thing that God was trying to bring back to the church or try and restore to the church. And there was a stage as well where faith was restored to the church and the way over correct was this crazy prosperity gospel where, like I was saying, everyone wants to drive a Ferrari or do this or do the next thing. And what's so tragic is with all of those things, there's a knee jerk that reacts to it. And one of the things the church is so bad at doing is taking, God's restored this to the church. Great, we'll keep this and keep growing until God, as God keeps restoring the church, we'll keep all of these things. And so what happens is the guys that come out of that last thing reject everything that happened in that thing, the good and the bad. They flush it all down the toilet. And so, hey, this discipleship movement, small church, no, let's do big church. And so during the 80s, we had massive church. Why? Because it's a knee-jerk against the discipleship movement of small little things. And in some churches as well, there's been this knee-jerk against, are you prepared to take hold of what Christ has taken hold of you for? Because it looks too much like maybe like a prosperity gospel thinking. I was thinking while Higgs was preaching this morning. This is not the whole gospel. But this is part of the gospel. That this is not self-talk. That I'm trying to drum myself up. And like I'm all this and I'm all that. No, this is Jesus comes and he goes. He looks at us and I've seated you in heavenly realms with my father. I've called you. It's not the person sitting next to you, I've called you. So what is, what is the thing that God has said? And friends, what's so crazy, earlier this morning, I, I like watching um, UFC, which is like MMA, you know, men and women beating each other up, right? Hey, we've all got our problems, right? So anyway, <laughs> but the crazy thing is this. Some of those guys' dreams, the thing that they were made for was to get into a cage and have the living daylights beaten out of them by somebody else. And you know what? Because they were made for it, they sit there at the end and their nose is somewhere over here and the one eye's closed and like his shoulder doesn't work properly, but yes, it was fun and we won. It's not all health, wealth, and prosperity, Right? Some of us are created for that kind of battle where we go the distance and it's wild and it's a bit wuss and what. But if God's given you the grace, we we'll go for it. If That's your thing. Others of us, it is maybe a little bit more, a little bit different to that. But what is the thing? And I trust you heard the heart, the heart of God to you today. Friends, we sit there the other side of Jordan and God's, God's called each of us to take a step across. So thank you, thank you, brother. It was beautiful. Thank you so much for joining us you might be asking yourself the question, how can I take this further? Firstly, you can send us your contact details to Cindy on our website where you can access previous sermons and find out more about who we are at Centre Church. Thirdly, if you consider yourself as part of Centre Church, we want to thank you so much for your ongoing financial partnership. The banking details are on the website. Thank you so much for joining us and hope you have an amazing Sunday.